welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist Podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Brew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist. And I'm so excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you so much for listening today. Now today I want to talk all about all or nothing thinking and how this can be putting you in a really unhelpful place with food, particularly in the lead up to Christmas. So I think it's so common that people with eating disorders, disordered eating can fall into this all or nothing relationship with food. You might feel that you're either eating perfectly, like you're on the plan, you're doing well, etc. Or you might feel completely off the plan, in chaos, out of control, not good enough, and maybe in complete self-sabotaging mode. So you probably feel like you're either like winning or losing. You're either healthy or unhealthy, in control or out of control. It's very black and white. So I think this is particularly common up until Christmas. Often you might be feeling very anxious about the Christmas period, all those kind of extra parties, chances to indulge in meals out, you know, get togethers with your family, maybe more alcohol, more rich foods available than would normally be. So you might be thinking, oh my goodness, I need to like really restrict in the next few weeks to make sure that I can properly enjoy Christmas. And also you might be very worried about your body image and wanting to look a certain way and maybe like losing weight, etc. all in the lead up with the pressure around Christmas parties, etc. So if you relate to this, you are not alone. (laughs) And I think with our all or nothing thinking, generally the human brain has a negativity bias. So we do tend to focus our attention more towards negative experiences and interactions compared to the positive ones. And from, from a survival standpoint, this makes sense. Historically, it would have kept us alive, but from an experience and living your life perspective, it's not really accurate or fun. And being in an all or nothing thinking pattern could make you more stressed, more likely to have disordered eating, and also striving for the ideal and actually making your overall eating more unhealthy and chaotic. And I think what is really unhelpful with all of this nowadays in diet culture, wellness culture more than ever, is we are always hearing on podcasts, in the media, social media, we're hearing about people's supposedly successful experiences of following a particular plan of eating where maybe they're kind of eliminating certain food groups, they're very, very strict, they follow certain rules, and it seems to be working for them. They look, look really, really great, and um, it can feel very seductive in a way that, oh my goodness, if I just followed that plan, then everything would work for me. Now, I have worked with many people who outwardly seem to have a kind of very healthy relationship with food in terms of what they show others, but behind closed doors, they are struggling a lot. They might be binge eating, purging, over-exercising, counting every scrap of food that goes into their mouths. There's a lot of anxiety, okay? But that's not something that they're probably really talking about on their social media or on their podcast or whatever. So I think we need to be really, really careful um, and not to kind of put some of these regimes up on pedestals and actually realize that for most people actually following strict 
regimes like this around food usually ends up with some kind of disordered eating. I'm not saying that's true for everybody, but it's true for a lot of people. So let's think about an example of someone who may be falling into this all or nothing thinking up until Christmas around food. So let's make up a person, let's say um, Emma is trying to follow a 1200 calorie meal plan. Not sustainable or helpful as we know really, please don't do it if you're listening. <laughs> so maybe, you know, Emma is following it. She's had like a couple of weeks of really, really good success in air quotes. Um, but she's starting to get to that stage where she's starting to get really hungry, preoccupied with food, that initial kind of willpower and drive is going by the wayside. And maybe, you know, she's going into work and there are kind of Christmas chocolates available. Maybe she's going out for some drinks on Friday with friends. And there's lots of things that could potentially derail her from this very, very strict regime. So often what tends to happen is, you know, the 1200 calorie meal plan, it's just not sustainable. And poor old Emma becomes hungry, obsessed with food. She can't carry on any longer. And then what happens is after going out for the drinks on Friday, she has a humongous binge episode, which lasts 24 hours. And she probably eats five times over her normal sort of calorie limit for the last two weeks. She then feels terrible, exhausted, physically and mentally drained, over full. And then of course, what she does is she thinks, well, I better restrict because she feels, feels that she's got no control. And the binge eating episode is proof of this. So I think, Many of us have been in this place. I know myself, I definitely relate to this, being overly restrictive and then falling into massive binges and being in that horrible all or nothing cycle. So let's look at all or nothing thinking a bit more from a cognitive behavior therapy perspective. So in cognitive behavioral therapy, all or nothing thinking is one of the most common cognitive distortions so a cognitive distortion is a faulty thought pattern that makes us more prone to negative thoughts and conclusions. And we have 60,000 plus thoughts a day. Many of these thoughts are repetitive. I heard this week that 80% of those thoughts are negative. And our thoughts and feelings, behaviors and physical body are all interlinked. So say for example, if we go into a situation and we are eating a donut, we might have the thought, oh my goodness, I've blown it, I've eaten too much, I've broken my 1200 calorie meal plan. We, we then might feel guilty, anxious in our physical body. We might feel overfull. We might feel like really sort of um, disgusted and uncomfortable with ourselves. And then we have a thought, well, you know, I've completely blown it now, I might as well eat more. The behavior, we actually go on and eat another five. Another example, maybe I have an argument with my friend and then the thought that comes from this argument is no one likes me. You know, I'm just this really unlikable, horrible person. We feel lonely, sad, physically, we feel tense, behavior, we restrict or we binge maybe to avoid the feeling. And then we have even more negative self-punishing thoughts. So you can see in a way in both those examples, the donut eating and the argument with a friend, we're interpreting that through a very all or nothing lens, okay? And so really anticipating the worst, writing things off, blowing it really. So what is the impact of our all or nothing thinking? So around food, it often means increased disordered eating. We often have very poor body image with all or nothing thinking because we have these impossible standards we feel we have to live up to. 
We might feel we have to be a certain body fat percentage or a certain weight, or maybe we're focusing on a certain body part and giving it so much attention. Maybe um, what else has impacted? The impact on confidence and self-esteem, okay? It's really hard to feel good enough with all or nothing thinking, because again, these impossible standards, you're trying to hit the bullseye on the dartboard every time. You're less willing to take risks if you're all or nothing thinker because if you really feel it has to work out perfectly, otherwise you are doomed. So often it means you procrastinate a lot and stay in your comfort zone. You often feel like a failure because it's so easy to interpret everything through that lens of failure if you're not perfect. It can stop you asking for help and then really struggling on your own. Then also you can be unable to think of solutions or find a middle ground because you really feel paralyzed, really. You feel you've only got the all or nothing response. You have a lack of self-compassion for yourself. You know, I think if you're all or nothing in your thinking, you tend to be super critical. This means you have less resilience. And then you're often maybe unwilling or unable to forgive yourself. So lots of very, very unhelpful consequences. So signs of all or nothing thinking. So in order to overcome all or nothing thinking, we have to learn to recognize our thinking patterns. And here are some indicators that you could spend a little more time in the gray area. So if you're often using words like, I should always, or I should never, and should, shoulds and shouldn't. So things like, I should never eat Christmas chocolates at work. Um, so you probably have a lot of food rules or absolutes around numbers or body image goals. So maybe as well you have a hard time seeing the positives in a situation. So you focus in with laser focus on the negatives. So one little deviation from the meal plan can bring chaos and self-destruction. So if you're going out with your friends for that Christmas meal and maybe you have a mince pie that you hadn't planned, you then feel that you've completely ruined it and you focus on that and you berate yourself. And then you also think that you're kind of suddenly bloated and you've gained loads of pounds and you're super, super critical. Maybe you won't try something unless you're confident and you can do it perfectly. You can procrastinate recovery even. And maybe you have a hard time receiving feedback, positive or constructive, and small mistakes can make you feel like a total failure. So if you recognize yourself in these tendencies, it's so worth learning how to shift the way you think about these situations in your life. So overcoming all or nothing thinking can help boost your self-esteem and cognitive flexibility. So let's talk about four ways to overcome all or nothing thinking. So the first and most important step is to learn to recognize your all or nothing thinking in the first place. And I think this can be the hardest bit sometimes because of, you know, the, we don't really think about our thinking a lot. Our thoughts are just kind of running away unconsciously and we're not even noticing. And we're in the habit as well of thinking a certain way. So it's all really, really challenging to start shifting the thoughts and to even be aware of them in the first place. So our thoughts often run unconsciously and consistently and many of them aren't so positive. And all or nothing thinking is just a habit. Like any other habit, you need to notice it to break it. Now, I guess to say as well, I don't want to minimize anyone's all or nothing thinking here by simplifying it and just saying it's purely a habit, you just need to change the habit and all will be well. So I guess as well, our all or nothing thinking as well, it might be rooted in deeper issues. You know, for example, if as a child, 
we didn't feel that we could show up and be ourselves and be supported, we may have become the pleasing, perfect child to gain approval from everyone in our environment as a survival strategy. So our all or nothing thinking might sometimes be rooted in deeper things. So that is something as well that could be really worth exploring in therapy. So let's explore number one, developing awareness a bit more. So you're starting to almost have a bit more of a bird's eye view down on your thinking. And you can do this just by like starting to notice, just quietly noticing, like having a little pause in your thoughts sometimes, or maybe sometimes like pausing and writing things down. So where do you do it? You know, because I think we all have particular triggers in our life. So say for example, for Emma, if she eats a takeaway and has several alcoholic drinks on a Friday, often that is a trigger for her all or nothing thinking. She feels she's blown the whole weekend. She abandons her regular eating, self-care practices. The weekend is written off. And particularly around Christmas, when the level of kind of socializing, there are more weekends that are filled with all these kind of different events. Sometimes, you know, she might feel that she falls down this rabbit hole for weeks on end. And even usually where she might be thinking, right, I'm gonna restart again on Monday and start restricting, because it's that Christmas period, she might feel like she falls into a binge cycle for days and that can be so, so destructive. But again, just recognizing actually having the meal out, having the alcohol maybe, some of these things can be quite triggering. So maybe for you, your all or nothing thinking gets triggered around a particular food type. So if you eat something that you perceive to be unhealthy, so maybe a mince pie, if you're living in the UK and it's Christmas, um, and then if you eat that, what you perceive to be unhealthy food, you then kind of write off the rest of the day and just think, oh, well, I won't eat any vegetables now. I won't eat my kind of normal healthy dinner. I'm just going to kind of binge my way through the rest of the day, almost in a kind of very self-sabotage state. So, you know, maybe it's if it's certain food types that can trigger you. Maybe you eat something unplanned and then you punish yourself by not eating for the rest of the day because your rule is that you can only eat foods that you have genuinely kind of planned in. So if you eat something a bit spontaneously, that completely throws you off. So it could be other things as well. It could be like around cleaning or something in your house. Maybe you feel that your house has to be perfect before everyone comes around at Christmas and you feel that you have to just do it all perfectly and then when you don't feel that you achieve it perfect perfectly maybe you punish yourself through your eating in some way and um, so it could show up in lots of ways it could be like decorating the tree maybe it's a really all or nothing kind of thinking response so number two then is start to think about things differently so maybe you've started to identify what you're thinking and you're starting to notice the different trigger situations that come up so now you could even like just take this situation to trial, you know, pretend it's in court. You could write it down, you know, what happened? What does it mean? What's the proof around this? Okay, so say for example, if it's something like you haven't decorated the tree perfectly, <laughs> you know, imagine that going to court and it really being examined, you know, what have you really done? What does this mean about you if you haven't done it perfectly? What's the actual proof? Is there any evidence for this? And you might even need to run it by a friend, family member, or coach or therapist who can help you come up with other ways to look at the situation. 
And because I think sometimes we can really get down negative rabbit holes ourselves, and it's really hard to see the wood for the trees. So another example, you may feel bad because you forgot a friend's birthday. Now, if you're an all or nothing thinker, you might think, oh my God, I'm just such a terrible friend. When in fact, actually, you're not a terrible friend. You just had a lapse of memory in this situation and it doesn't mean that your friendship is written off and you're just some evil person. It means you forgot. And the fact that it bothers you that you forgot, it tells you something about your values you might actually be a pretty good friend actually because otherwise you wouldn't be worried so much about forgetting in the first place. So when you recognize your all or nothing thinking, brainstorm all the possible solutions, reasons and explanations from the reasonable to the ridiculous. And you might find that the gray area is much bigger and more plausible than you would think. So think about what would you say to a friend in this situation? Think about what would you like to be thinking about this situation? Think about a rational perspective on the issue. Think about taking it to court and what would people be saying in court if they were scrutinizing your action. Time for a short advertisement break. Are you tired of being tired and fighting with your body while the emotional eating or binging continues? You're not alone. Emotional eating is not your fault, yet it's something you deserve to fully overcome. Are you ready to gain massive insight into your emotional binge triggers and understand the roots of why you're in self-sabotage with food and your body? You'll definitely want to check out emotional eating, digestive and hormone expert, Amber Romagnac's The No Sugar Coating Podcast. With over 400 episodes, diving deep into emotional eating and binge triggers, female hormone and gut issues, weight blocks, cravings and the physical, emotional and energetic connections. After overcoming her own food addiction, binge eating and emotional eating behaviours fully and now coaching over 1,600 women in the last 10 years, she provides a deep level of knowledge to help assist you forward on your journey to food and body freedom and beyond. The No Sugar Coating podcast will help you build a newfound level of awareness that you may have never had before and there's no diets, no quick fixes and no band-aid approaches here. This podcast is about building self-love, acceptance, confidence, and becoming in tune with your relationship with food, thoughts, symptoms, and it will help you to start to take your power back. If you truly want to feel free from emotional eating, come take a listen. Visit amberapproved.ca forward slash podcast to start listening and take the next life-changing step on your journey. You're not alone, you've got this and you can break free. And you can also check out a wide variety of resources, a free emotional eating quiz, one-to-one coaching support, and more about body freedom at www.amandaamberapproved.ca forward slash. So number three, progress, not perfection. When we get trapped in all or nothing thinking, we're essentially saying to ourselves that perfection is the only good outcome. We idealize how things should be, and it's like trying to hit the bullseye every single time, which is near impossible. It also means that we procrastinate and postpone progress, waiting for that perfect moment that doesn't come. And that's just not true, because if we only accept perfection, we're doomed to failure. We'll have a negative self-perception, because no matter how well things turn out, we'll never measure up. So the trick to dismantling all or nothing thinking is to reward ourselves for progress, not perfection. We don't have to get it right all the time. We just have to continue to grow. And when we reframe our expectations and take a closer look at ourselves, we might find things are going better than we imagined. 
And I just think of an example here is even when I'm recording this podcast today, okay, I am aware that it is imperfect. <laughs> I am aware that sometimes my flow of thoughts doesn't go quite the way I'm wanting to. I'm aware earlier in the podcast today, I kind of lost my train of thought and I had a little pause for a moment. And yeah, I guess I'm just saying to you, it's imperfect. However, I am very motivated to do a good enough job to reach as many people as possible. And it gives me a fantastic feeling to be, you know, imparting my words of wisdom, my um, expertise, my skills and strategies, and to really support people in a way that I never actually felt supported when I was struggling with my eating disorder. So this is far from perfect, but I know that by getting this episode out, as with many of my others, that actually at least one person out there is probably going to get something from this, okay? And the only way I can get my two podcast episodes out a week is by really going for the progress and not perfection approach, okay? Record most of my podcasts in one take. Um, that is the way that it's sustainable and that sometimes means that I have to, um, you know, make, I have to go with it being imperfect. And hopefully it is always still good enough and it is something that people can listen to and derive a lot of value from, but it is far from perfect. Okay, also realize that social media is not real. Don't compare yourself to a highlight reel. Again, particularly at Christmas, all the kind of perfect Christmas stuff that's on social media um, is not helpful. And we also massively overestimate what we can achieve in two months, and we underestimate what we can achieve in a year. So engage with the underwhelming but sustainable steps. Okay, so, 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 so important. Because I think, again, um, when we're going for that all or nothing, we really want that kind of six-week plan that's going to turn things around. And I think of a client I was working with earlier today who was just so frustrated with herself that she's not making progress at the speed that she wants to in overcoming binge eating. Um, and she's just expecting such a lot of herself so quickly when she struggled with binge eating for a very long time. So it's so important to be compassionate and embrace more with the shades of grey. Progress, not perfection. And number four, work towards a new definition of health and well-being. So I think we get so fixated, don't we, on food and movement and in health. We need to be embracing our mental health, our pleasure, our flexibility, our spontaneity, our fun and enjoyment, our relationships, embracing socializing, deliciousness, freedom, being free-flowing and happiness, and particularly important at Christmas, isn't it? I mean, I think Christmas can be such a difficult time for so many of us, but hopefully we might have a little glimmer of something at Christmas where we can really step into these feelings more and embrace that kind of connection being together, the kind of fun, the specialness, the spontaneity of it all. And realize that to be a healthy person, it doesn't really help to have an all or nothing fixed approach. So you need to define your own definition of health. Honor micro practices as well as cornerstones of well-being. So things like getting enough sleep, eating breakfast every day, sitting down to eat, taking regular breaks, getting out in nature, all these little things done consistently are going to have way more power and potency than following some massively rigid plan that's not sustainable. And realize that your health is likely to be better through finding balance. 
the all or nothing approach doesn't really create health and it often creates more stress. Um, I was speaking to someone else earlier today on another podcast I was on actually and um, he was just talking about how he had become so obsessed with his health and worried about eating the right and the wrong foods and if something was going to make him unwell and just it got in such a tangle, I guess from quite an orthorexic perspective in terms of trying to eat the perfect diet. And actually, this has ended up causing him so much stress and then he like fallen into binge eating as well. So often when we become so strict, actually what it means is the pendulum swings the other way, we can't sustain it, and then we actually become like more unhealthy. So yeah, really redefine what it means for you personally to be healthy. And I think for most of us, that's not about following the most perfect diet and exercise regime. It's about so many more things. And it's about finding balance with our health, you know, enjoying healthy foods, but also enjoying um, balance and deliciousness and yum and connection and um, eating the foods that are really tasty and that we enjoy. Okay, and particularly, this is so important, over the Christmas period. Okay, so I hope that's given you a few pointers. If you're not following me already on Instagram, do seek me out at the eating disorder therapist underscore. For further support with your relationship with food, do go to the eatingdisordertherapist.co.uk. If you enjoy this podcast, I'll be so grateful if you follow, rate and review as it helps it reach so many more listeners. Thank you so much for listening. And just one final point, I am putting my training courses, um, eating disorders for professionals and body image for professionals online. So if you would like to um, get a copy of either of those, the eating disorders one should be up before Christmas and the body image one early in the new year. So if you're not able to attend the online Zoom trainings that I run, this can be um, a great way for you to access all that support and information in a different way. Okay, thank you so much for listening and I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon.